Hello, and welcome to the Blood Related Podcast. I'm Abby Connor. And I'm Elaine Edward. And we're a mother daughter duo on a mission to bridge the menopause and menstrual well being knowledge gap. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about everything related to the menopause, from physical symptoms to mental health symptoms, from shame to doctors to charities to the workplace. We are going to get stuck into topics that we ourselves have a lot of questions around, and we know that a lot of people in our lives do as well. So you came to me about six months ago with an idea to do this, and what gave you the idea? Just because I think generally speaking, are still relatively unaware about menopause, particularly the younger people of today, because they don't receive any education of it at all. Mm. Um, personally, I didn't receive any education about it, and most of my social circle of friends didn't receive any education about it either. And I think it should be spoken about, and the sooner and the younger we speak about it, the more informed we will be. Yeah, I completely agree. I've got so many people in my life, like my girlfriends and my guy friends and my boyfriend and my siblings and um, just lots of people that whose mothers are going through the menopause or have been going through the menopause and we don't have any idea of how to support you. And it's been quite eye-opening, I think, for a lot of us who have... Um, been going through this with their mums because we don't know how to help or what to do or what to look out for and we also don't really know what to expect ourselves um how has it been amongst you and your social circle is it something that you talk about quite a lot uh, no definitely not uh, uh, really it's until I brought the subject up that we were going to be making this um podcast oh. we ever had a discussion about it before you never had and then we had a very long discussion about it oh, well i'm glad that it kind of facilitated that conversation but that's so this whole time you've been going through the menopause you've just been going through it yourself uh just one really close friend who um i, I spoke to about um younger friends who haven't yet gone through the menopause i've tried to educate them about it a little mm. bit by saying I didn't know, know anything. This is what's happened to me. Mm-hmm. But having spoken to other friends, there's a lot of different mm. symptoms. There's a lot of different anxieties. There's a lot of different... Yeah, symptoms, anxieties, and like things you didn't know that Absolutely. you will go through that once you spoke to each other, you kind of figured out, oh, maybe I'm not alone, or oh, maybe this is maybe yeah, a bit abnormal. Yeah. I should maybe speak to my doctor or whatever. Yeah. that's That is kind of crazy because... If I think about me and my friends, the amount that we talk to each other about our periods is just like crazy. It's like a constant topic of conversation. And I understand that actually that's probably a fairly recent thing. Definitely. Even when we were at school, like it was it was much more of a taboo subject and we're approaching our 30s now. So but it's yeah, definitely like a big topic of conversation amongst me and my girlfriends. And I think it's quite it must be quite isolating for you going through this and not having any like women in your life to talk to about it yeah it is quite isolating and I guess once I've spoken to people about it and they're open but Mm. I think everybody feels reticent to speak about it because it's almost still a shameful thing to have to talk to people about it Mm. and it shouldn't be shameful to anybody you should just be able to say oh this is crap what's happened to you and da 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 but generally speaking people of my generation still hide their light under a bushel also I guess when you live with people that 
don't menstruate and don't go through the menopause, i.e. it can be, if you don't even know yourself how to articulate how you're feeling in your mind and your body, it must be quite difficult to help them to understand or to get them to understand. Or if you don't feel like you can speak to other women, has it been difficult to feel like you can kind of communicate what you're going through with your husband? He's quite understanding about it all. And actually, he's pointed out some of the symptoms to me. Ah, interesting. Very interesting. So I think it must have been, well, one of you asked him what, what he had experienced with me. And he said, once I was on HRT, my temper was much better. Mm. Now, he never told me at the time that I thought my temper was better. <laughs> Tell me afterwards. Found <laughs> about kind of children are. Yeah, you were a raging bitch before. We were fine now. Absolutely fine now. I'm on HRT. But um, yes. So, no, it's very difficult if there isn't another woman. So if all your uh, children... If, my, if you'd have been at home and mm. articulated it to you, I guess. Yeah. But, um... Or would you have? Or would you have, would you have felt that you should keep could it and you should keep it to yourself? Do you think that's kind of a message that you've received throughout perimenopause and menopause? Have you felt that you've had to kind of keep it? Yeah, there isn't really anybody to share it with. Because I say, until I broached it with my girlfriends, when everybody wanted to tell everybody about it, mm. it was very much a, a very lone activity. And do you think that's kind of something that has persisted within your generation kind of throughout your menstrual life I suppose like your from periods to pregnancy to perimenopause to menopause is it something that do you think has you've always felt you haven't been able to kind of talk to other people about funnily enough pregnancy not because everyone's everybody wants Mm. to talk about everything and everyone's like obsessed with pregnancy aren't they like whether you are pregnant whether you're not pregnant whether you've been pregnant whether you're a grandma whether you're like pregnant yeah what what was right yeah everyone wants to sort of weigh in don't they they want to talk about the kind of nice things or the things that they can relate to they don't want to talk about the hormones and the depression and the you know the mental health side of things or even like the icky stuff that goes on with your actual body like people don't want to talk about that they want to talk about the nice bits which is why i think menstruation and menopause is not talked about because Mm. it's full of icky stuff yeah absolutely and it's not nice it's not nice but it's also something that every person who menstruates does go through absolutely Um, and it's it's wild that we're not given the resources and the information and it's literally like you learn as you go which is so strange because it's like a considerable amount of people in the world nearly 50 percent do go through cycles and the menopause and And it can take up to well 25 percent of their life yeah so it's you know it's a big chunk of people's life to keep hidden away Mm. i think in my generation we were taught about periods but only in a very methodical way Mm -hmm. biological yeah and not not really any other symptoms that may come along it was just a factual medical this is how it is this is how it happens this is what you do with it end of story yeah you might get a headache you might get some cramps you might vomit whatever Mm. it was just very factual but when it comes to menopause I didn't know anything about menopause till I Mm. became menopausal so you didn't know what to look out for or so how long did perimenopause last for you before you went into the menopause I know that it kind of Started off very slowly and then escalated. And then probably it had been happening for two years before I thought, ah, mm. that's what this is. 
And how did you feel at that time? So basically what happened was when I was walking the dogs, I would start to have palpitations. Mm. And those series of palpitations got longer and longer and longer. And then one night I woke up and I was wet all the way down my front, all mm. the way from my neck, all the way down my legs, into my feet. It was just wet. And I stood up and I went to drive myself in the bathroom. Couldn't understand what was happening. Went back to bed and my palpitations came and then I was wet all over again and I thought, oh, that's why I've been having all these palpitations. I thought I was going to have to go and see a heart surgeon, mm. not a GP. Mm. So That must have been really scary. Very scary. To like not even know that as a sign. And I've been saying to Paul for some time, I think there's something wrong with my heart mm. because when I'm walking the dogs often, palpitations are there and then sometimes he was walking with me and I go, I've got palpitations again and he'd say, I think you need to go and see a doctor. Mm. And it was every, t- like, it was only ever brought on by the dog walking or do you think that's only the only time you really kind of noticed I think it? that's the only time, at the beginning, that's the only time yeah. I noticed it. And then I noticed that it was becoming more and more and more and more often. Mm. And then when I woke up that night and I, had, I was sweating so much, then I put the, the symptoms together, went to the GP and they immediately gave me HRT. Really, immediately? Immediately gave me HRT. Asked me how long the symptoms had been going on. So I told them that it had been approximately two years of palpitations and now first episodes of um, sweating. Mm. And um, they put me on HRT. Mm. And had your periods completely stopped by that point? I'd had a hysterectomy. Oh, of course. Okay. And they didn't take my ovaries out so that I could have a normal menopause. Okay. So do you want to talk me through that a little bit? Actually, because you've had quite an interesting menstrual history, Mm -hmm. Um, why don't you take me back from to the start? Okay, so I did not menstruate until after I had my second child. Until after? Until after I had. So even in between Charlie and me, you didn't have any periods? And then... Oh, do you not have periods when you breastfeed? Well, sometimes you can. That's another See, this thing. is another thing. I don't know. <laughs> thing. I didn't. And then by the time I finished breastfeeding, I was again. Okay. Because you're like super fertile after you're in that first year, aren't you? After you're... That's right. After you get birth. very, very pregnant. And, um, and so, so then it was quite a shock to me because then I was... 29 mm. and That's the first time I'd had a period so I didn't have a period until after I stopped breastfeeding you so I was oh I was 30 then oh my god I was 30 years old and I had my first period and I had my last period when I had my hysterectomy and I had a hysterectomy 11 years ago so I was 46 and so how is your first how was your experience of adolescence when everyone around you, when that was something everyone was going through and you weren't, did you kind of keep that to yourself? Uh, well, it was quite public um, with my doctors because I was quite an unusual case. I've been to see every doctor, really? every kind of specialist because I just was not having a period. Yeah. And so I had a lot of poking and prodding going on. Mm, that's so horrible. Horrible. And, and no one could, no one knew. No one knew. There was no reason given whatsoever. And I was told that, when I wanted to try for a child, they would give me some drugs to enhance my first fertility. Did they do fertility testing? I did. They did every single test you could think of. So, because you clearly were fertile, you just weren't menstruating. Menstruating, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, so then I was 30, in my 30s. But socially, how was that? 
because it's obviously it's I mean it was for me I'm aware that it was some 28 years after <laughs> you but it was when you're at school it's like all everyone can talk about between the ages of like 10 and 13 like who has got their period period who hasn't who you know all of that kind of stuff and it goes from being like kind of oh god she's got her period before everyone else kind of thing to being kind of like a bonding experience as you get to like your middle adolescence how was that for you if you weren't uh, experiencing that really I was just so worried that I would never be able to have children yeah so I was, I was very very aware that I was going through lots of tests and whatever um and then the doctor said to me just count yourself lucky because you don't have to go through that every month but you will be able to have a child when you're ready I mean, my God. But it must have also been quite scary not knowing what was going on inside your body and how did they know that if they couldn't tell you what was wrong? They just said that I was clearly fertile. Because I guess you had eggs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I did feel a little bit left out when all my friends were talking about periods mm. and things because I just didn't have any. And then when I did get any, when I was 30, I thought, the doctors were right. <laughs> it's awful. It's horrible. <laughs> And it's messy and it's just not nice. I guess if you're not used... Although you had had two children, so you were used to, like, that kind of mess. But to, like, go through... Yeah, I guess when you were 30, there wasn't the kind of range of products that are available now. And so then... So 11 years ago, so you were, like, 30 till 46. Okay, so it's too long. And then you had another child in and amongst that as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a hysterectomy. Would you mind talking about that? You don't have to. Hysterectomy? Yeah. Um, why? Why? Because that? I have polycystic ovaries, so um, I was bleeding all the time. Okay. So it would be, I would be out and I would just have a big gush of blood. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a consultant quite quickly and I was recommended to have a hysterectomy. Okay. There were other procedures, but they would only last for a short period of time, and then I'd have to go through that procedure again. So I said, absolutely, let's do this. But they left my ovaries in so that I could have a normal menopause. In fact, they told me my menopause would be very quick because my I'd already had my wound taken mm. away. But it, it didn't happen as, as quickly as I thought, and obviously I was not aware of it that it was happening until all of a sudden... Mm. So even... I guess in the grand scheme of things, two years is probably quite quick. It's quite quick. It's and quite and quick, they, yeah. there was no quibble at all about them giving me HRT because I clearly explained the symptoms that I mm. had. Um, and I was given it for, you're given it, I think it's three years at a time, and then you've got to have an interview with your GP. You're not supposed to use it for more than two lots of three years, which I'm coming up to. Mm. And the friend who I said I'd spoken to about, she'd had it for six years and then had come off it for only two to three months and all her symptoms were back and she literally went to the GP and said I can't live without this yeah I'll need it back again and then she's got it back again so is the aim to kind of taper off it then I think the aim is you're not supposed to take it for more than six years right and hopefully within that six-year period your menopause will have been and come and gone See, even this, I don't know. So it's like a period of time that you go through and then one day it ends and then you don't have anything else. That's it. Okay, so HRT is supposed to, like, see you through it. Yes. Okay. So, but that period is very different. Once I'd opened the cage with my social circle of friends, Mm -hmm. the period that they went through menopause was different for everybody. Yeah. So some people 
it was over and done within six months. Yeah. Some people, it was a couple of years. Some people are still there and it's 10 years on. My mum had menopause for all of my youth, I believe. <laughs> now you know the symptoms. Rage. Yeah. Irritability. Yeah. She probably went, yeah, just went straight from like one, from PMS straight into the menopause. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, okay. that's nothing to do with me or my behaviour towards her in any way. And did she ever speak to you about no, any she, of it? She would just say, I'm menopausal. And that was it. So I didn't know, I didn't really know what that meant. Because I didn't have menstruation, so I didn't understand what menopausal therefore was about. So um, I knew the word. And that's about it. This is something we'll go into in another episode, but we're trying to be a menopause-friendly workplace at work and we have to go through lots of different levels of looking at our policies and looking at language that we use. No one knows anything about it. Nobody does. And even when yeah. you're having your menopause or you've had it, you still don't. You're none the wiser. You've just had these symptoms and then when you've spoken to your friends, their symptoms are different. And I've had one friend who was put on HRT, her own regular symptom she lost her memory she just kept yeah. forgetting things and she went to the doctor and said i just keep forgetting things and she thought she was going, going to be spoken to about dementia that's so scary and she was spoken to about a symptom of menopause we better get you on some hrt i suppose it would have been nice to be warned <laughs> so when she said to me that's it i said just because you're forgetful and then i thought am i forgetful i don't know <laughs> yeah. i am forgetful yeah and i said to, to other people this friend of mine's HRT because she was forgetful. They're like, well, we're forgetful. <laughs> but we've never been told that that's a symptom. It seems like there isn't the same level of knowledge across different physicians and like people aren't no, definitely trained not. unless I you think... go to like a menopause specific doctor or clinic. Mm. I don't think there is such a thing out there. There are, there are. There are not many. There and they're private. Yeah, they're private. Um, so, um, no, it is a big topic. And even though I am menopausal, I know very little about it, so yeah. I, I suspect it's a journey for us both because we're both going to learn more about what it is. As I only know my side and a few snippets now that my friends have told me, but we definitely don't sit down and have a good old gossip about it. And so just think how much how much better your dealing of it all would be if you did just sit Absolutely. down and have a good old gossip about it. We, we did when I broached the subject with them and everybody then wanted to say what had happened to them and, and how long it had been going on for and they're all on this and they're on that. And I was totally unaware. You know, it was a great big learning curve but there's still a lot more learning that needs to go on. It would be interesting to chat to some of your other friends, actually. Oh, well, I did tell them they'd all be on an episode. I think some of them would still not do it because it's a taboo subject. Yeah. And that's the old people. So I've got um, my closest (laughs) friends go from people who are a very similar age to me, so mid to late 50s, to those who are in their mid-70s. So their experience, again, particularly the elder ones, not happy to talk about it, wouldn't talk about it. Because it's a very t- still a very subject. Yeah. And that's something I find talking to my girlfriends about our periods. Like, we learn so much from each other. And and also in that way, you kind of learn when things maybe aren't quite right. And maybe you should speak to a medical professional about it. Or it can explain so much other stuff. So, like, if I don't hear from a friend for a week and she messages me and says, Oh, I'm sorry, I had a really bad period and I you know I'm kind of all over the place or you know you can understand people a bit better and and empathize and and knowledge is power isn't it I mean I'm learning a lot of about 
like cycle syncing and different phases of my cycle and what I can expect and it makes it easier for me to understand myself and to give myself a break and cut myself some slack in, at times and you're right knowledge is power the more we know about it the more we can deal with it with our own body and from what I can gather everybody has a completely different experience mm. some similarities in some cases but none of them are identical this could have happened so most of my friends have had experience of what would be classed as a hot sweat but some some of them have had HRT before they've even had a hot sweat and some of them never had a hot sweat and just six months and that was it done and it must be frustrating having one explanation of what a symptom is medically quote unquote and then if you experience something that's like slightly outside of that you're like oh well this can't be happening to me because it's not exactly so was this thing with my friend who was forgetful Mm. she was thinking she was going to be talking about dementia but no she was talking about menopause so Again, nobody had discussed anything with her ever before. I think for maybe my generation and younger and maybe a little bit older, like elder millennials, there's so much tech, there's podcasts, there's online forums, there's platforms that kind of facilitate conversation about these types of things that it's easy for us to go and find a TikTok about something if we want to learn more about it or whatever. But for your generation and older, people haven't been creating things for you because you're the kind of you're forgotten about you know so the first to speak out about it i think yeah um the first generation i would say people from their 50s upwards now speak about it and maybe maybe even younger i know when i taught there was a range in the staff room it was never mentioned at all so Mm. the age range would have been from early mid 30s all the way up to mid 60s and Sitting around the dining table or any meetings, it was never brought up. And we were women only. So That's that wild. Wild. Yeah. It's really, really wild if you think about that. And that was, I only stopped teaching six years ago. Yeah. So that's wow. insane, really. I think, like you say, it's been a taboo for such a long time. And still in many ways, and to the elder generation particularly, who've been yeah. through it by themselves with little or no information. And have just had to struggle through. And also had their worries their concerns their anxieties kind of dismissed or chalked up to just being menopausal yeah which is so dismissive and annoying but it's those kinds of attitudes that have maybe made people feel that they can't obviously talk about it openly but create spaces in which other women can come and talk about their experiences and learn from each other and then as a knock-on effect People haven't created like products for you. People haven't targeted you with marketing and things that are going to make your lives easier. And you're a whole group of people that are just kind of forgotten about and expected to just get on with it. Get on with it. Get yourself some gel. Yeah. Get yourself an implant and on you go. Come back in three years and we'll see how you're doing. And then come back in three years and we'll tell you you can't have it any longer. And we're trying something else if Mm -hmm. you're still going through the menopause. Frankly, I'm terrified of them taking me off the gel because it was absolutely horrible. I didn't like it. I didn't like those symptoms at all. And to think that I might have to go through all those palpitations and all those hot sweats and Mm. anything else that's thrown at me if I'm not on this magical gel. And I will be probably pleading and begging Mm. the doctor to say, please don't take me off this gel because it's transformed my life. Can they do that? Can they just be like, no? You can say you've been on it for six years and you're recommended not to be on it for any longer than six years. But why why is it six years? That I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not a medical professional. Disclaimer, neither of us are medical professionals in any way. There's so little 
understanding about the long-term or short-term effects of a lot of hormonal medications that are given to women. I mean, even you look at the contraceptive pill, for example, or the contraceptive implant. I was on hormonal contraception for 10 years. Wow. No, it must have been longer than that because I had three implants and I, I don't know what it could have done to my body. I was put on the pill at 15 and they give, they hand the pill out like it's sweets to teenage girls who are going through anything, whether you're sexually active or not, but anything from a bit spotty to mood swings, which is obviously part of puberty, to weight gain, also part of puberty. So many different things people are put on the pill for before they've developed fully, either hormonally or mentally or physically or whatever, from the age of 14 onwards to have synthetic hormones pumped into your body. And then not not actually know like what your body is doing do it, yeah. Or is doing with itself. Exactly. Like before it's even regulated into a quote unquote normal cycle. It's kind of nipped in the bud before yeah. we even get there. And Actually, then no one knows the long term effects of exactly. it. Exactly. And to be quite honest, I don't know what this drug's doing in my body. I just know it's stopping all the bad things that I'd, uh, you know, all the symptoms that I was having that I mm. wasn't enjoying. So long term, I don't know what it is. So maybe the medical professionals know why they're six years. Yeah, why why such a hard stop at six years? Absolutely. I guess we can get a doctor on an answer. <laughs> yes, we can get we'll, we'll get some medical advice. Yeah. So you don't just have to listen to us <laughs> waffling along. But yeah, six six years seems like such a hard stop, especially when the menopause varies in length from person to person. Absolutely. So so wildly. So will they how do you know how long they would stop giving it to you to see? Or is that not something you know? No, I, I suspect it's till the symptoms reappear, because that's what happened with my friend. Yeah. Once the symptoms came back and she went back and said, I can't live without this, they prescribed it for her again. It's just awful. Like, like, you, have, you have to suffer in order to get... You have to go back to square help. one. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's is, so, and it must be so scary for you. Yeah, because the thought is, I think I'm coming up, so next year, I'm probably like six-year point, mm. and... Is there no way you can be, like, tapered off? To be fair, I do try and have two days a week not using it. Mm. But I did go away once and didn't take the pump with me, and it was five days, and I started to have hot sweats again. And I thought, that's not a good idea. See, I'm self-regulating myself, and I don't even know why or what what it's doing. I just think perhaps it's best not to put this in your body every day. So twice a week, try not to do it. But then I do worry that the hot sweats might come back even on twice a week. Is it, it must be so annoying for you, because it's annoying for me hearing about it. I haven't even gone through it, but hot flushes, night sweats are like symptoms that people, <coughs> men, um, roll their eyes at. If you were going through that, my God, the world would end. Well, they'd be on that pump as quick as this menopause. I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> to be fair, my husband was understanding. And... I feel really bad that he told me how bad my temper was and I hadn't even realised it. But if I didn't know, to be fair, we're very badly educated about menopause, but men, quite frankly, are yeah. even worse because yeah. some men will just laugh laugh at it, but quite frankly, it's not to be laughed at. No. It's not pleasant. And it affects them as well. Like, it can really affect things external to you Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. All those around you. It can affect yeah. all of those around you. Um, I did remember one friend of the older generation who, once I said, oh, I'm going through my menopause, it's a bit not very nice, opened up and said she realised that she was going through her menopause when she was at the top of the stairs and she was throffing at the mouth because she was screaming so much at her 15-year-old daughter at the bottom of the stairs. 
and she thought this is not right I should not be behaving like this I I think I need to go and see the doctor and then the doctor explained that it was one bad bad temper and mood swings could be one of the symptoms of menopause and she said it had never crossed her mind because we're so badly or we're not educated about it at all Mm -hmm. until it happens and then we're thinking to ourselves well, I'm not going to discuss that with anybody. Yeah. Might not, they might not want to hear about it or they might think, oh, she's not getting on with it or we should become much more open from a very young age. Yeah. We should, should have so many more facts at our fingertips. And that's what we're hoping to do with this, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> I think it should be taught at school. Absolutely. We just should get... Like, just like you learn about menstruation. Yeah, you exactly. should learn, the, learn the, what happens at the end of menstruation. Yeah, which we, we're like, oh, and then you go through menopause. <laughs> and that's it. Over and, and that's it. But even I remember even being at school, and it was what twenty years ago that I started learning about yeah. periods. That you start learning about it. Age but, but even that, it, it's still just biological. Like you ovulate, and then the egg goes down through the tube. And we didn't learn. I mean, I don't know if it's different. I do know there's a new SRE curriculum as of last year, but I don't know about biology or what they kind of teach you about because it's quite holistic. It should be taught holistically. It should be taught holistically. Not like just factually. Factually and Medical like facts. this is what happens in your body, but also this is what can happen in your mind at different cycle Absolutely. stages. This is what can happen, you know. So I don't actually know if that's being taught at school or if that's something that people come in externally to teach people about. Well, they might, they might as they brought out a new curriculum, they may have educated people to become specialists in it. Mm. That's what I would hope, mm. that... Children are taught about the whole thing. Yeah. Not just the beginning, which mm. is the menstruation, but they need to go through to the end. And that there needs to be a lot more information available so that people can teach it properly. And yeah. I think because a lot of it is maybe wrapped up in mental health and well-being, because hormones are, that people feel that maybe school boards and people who put curriculums together, you'd know more about than me, feel like if you're a biology teacher you teach about the body like there's no one in school that teaches about mental health and quite a lot of it is all wrapped up in mental health isn't it yeah. i think we're just aiming to try and shed a light on the subject that yeah. not many people do shed a light on so this is our first episode we will look at a different aspect every podcast and try and be as informative as possible and hopefully we can learn some things along the way too mum there's always space for learning absolutely every day is a school day um thank you for listening and we hope you tune in next time bye